I read an article in the paper that talked about the most powerful radio station in the world was in Greenville. It was Voice of America. And I thought, well, gosh, why have I never heard that station? It's the most powerful station in the world. It's in Greenville, and I've never heard it before. So I did a little investigation and found out it was shortwave. Had a friend who had a shortwave radio, and I saw his equipment, and he was very, it was like a ham radio operation. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to, to do that. So it was a little bit later that my, my dad bought me a, a multi-band radio, and I started listening to it. And I tell you, that I was hooked once I started listening to it because it was just a, somewhere 
my favorite interval signal, which was a, a xylophone playing Waltzing Matilda, which is the, not the Australian national anthem, but just about as close. To, if we if we had had uh, time to take calls tonight, Woody, we could ask what the the interval signal was for the Voice of America, which is what you were listening to in Greenville, and you of course know what that is. Yes, sir. That's right, Yankee Doodle. Yankee Doodle. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the Radio Australia uh, music box type thing was was used by a lot of stations. Switzerland had uh, one, and that was just really, I mean, it, those interval signals were something really, really special. And a few months ago, I came across uh, something on YouTube, um, and it's a 41-minute feature that some... Radio Listening Club had created, and it it goes basically for 41 minutes. You're seeing uh, pictures of radio stations and the transmitted buildings, and uh, you're listening to interval signals, and they kind of go in alphabetical order. And it's just it's just really great. This brings back so many good memories, and it just moves so quickly. But uh, the name of it is. The Glory Days of Shortwave Radio. And if you just put that in at the uh, YouTube site, uh, you know, it'll go right to it. Well, let's stop for a moment and take a little break here and then come back. And one of the things we'll, we'll want to talk for a minute or two about, uh, and then maybe come back toward the end of the program and talk about it, is the fact that you still can get some of these broadcasts that would be what we would classify as international broadcasts just the, the way that you would get them now is through your computer. Yeah. And, I mean, I listen to the BBC uh, Radio 4 service, which is kind of like NPR is in America, uh, occasionally because they have a quiz program called Brain of Britain that I like to listen to. It's kind of like Jeopardy for the Brits, I think, uh, is what you would say. But in any event, uh, you still there's still international broadcasting, and one of the things that you could do is travel vicariously in your mind and learn a lot about foreign countries and and, uh, and uh, customs and things, the kind of thing that you get from Rick Steves on television. But in any event, we'll come back and talk about that some more. We're talking about international broadcasting, shortwave radio, and how much it has meant uh, over time. Uh, it is It has declined. It's not done the same way now. There's still services out there that let you get international news from a different source. But we'll talk about that later on tonight's program, The Tom Kearney Show on WPTF. And who has kind of been a member of our and my radio family on the Tom Kearney Show since about 1989 or 1990 when he uh, used to listen in to our shortwave programs. The last time that shortwave radio was a, a big player uh, with people listening to it was during the first Gulf War. A lot of places that sold shortwave radios actually sold out, if I remember. Uh, Woody, a, a big New York uh, radio store sold out uh, because people wanted to listen to or thought they could listen to. I'm not sure they could, what was going on in the Middle East. But after that, uh, pretty much everything went to, to satellite, being carried by satellites and so on. But uh, Yeah, we had a lot of calls back then, yeah. people wanting to know what kind of radio can should they buy and this sort of thing. And, and uh, when you and I first started, uh, you had to pretty much have a pretty large, clunky radio but then they, they had a term that 
we came to use a lot during that period called user-friendly, which meant it's a smaller uh, radio with a digital readout where you could press a button and come to the right frequency. And not like when I was with my first radio, I was had to tune the dial, a rotary dial. In fact, I tuned that dial so long uh, it broke, and I had to repair it with, of all things, dental floss. I was going to say dental floss and uh, uh, the thread-like stuff, the fishing line. It was something that people yeah, would and it, it, it still that dental floss is still operating. So. <laughs>
network. You know, they, they tend to cover the local stuff in America, the hurricanes and the shootings and what's going on in Washington and and so on. But weird stuff may be going on in, in South in the southeast part of, uh, of Asia. And Radio Australia usually gives you a pretty good look at that. And stations in uh, in Africa. I remember you and I talked the one time about Radio South Africa. If you just listen to the news on it, you could tell when the the change of politics that went on when Mandela got out of prison and so on was going to take place because the tone of the news changed. It literally changed from one night to the next. I mean that was that was uh, you know that first night, and I I would listen to them occasionally because it was an interesting station. They had uh, uh, some interesting music to listen to, and so you know it was uh, they were spouting their their hold on, hold on. at that time and then Woody uh, Woody hold on we need to, I'm looking at the clock we need to take a break and when we come back we'll talk about South American stations too right okay. right after this for WPTF Radio the Tom Kearney show for this Wednesday night and we're talking about international broadcasting shortwave listening uh, a a way of learning about the world that was popular from the time that radio grew up in the 1920s uh, and uh, was the way that uh, international broadcasting was carried on until the 1990s. And it, it, it's changed so that it's done pretty much through satellites and things like that now. But uh, I, it was one of my hobbies when I was a kid. I was a radio guy, just like our guest tonight, Mr. Woody Seymour from Sanford, is a radio guy. And that's that's what we're talking about. And that's how he, he, he in real life, his real job, um, Woody, can I tell him that you're a lawyer? Yes, you can. Okay, he's a lawyer, and, and uh, I think his family's been in the practice of law in Lee County for a long, long time. And he's written a book about Sanford. I don't know if it's still in print, but I hope it is, because you can. he, he really does know a lot about Sanford and a lot of other things, too. But we're well, talking about for sale on Amazon, and it says uh, uh, order soon, more on the way. So they, okay. they keep so on selling them for some reason some more somewhere, but uh, he, he's an active part of his community, and he's been our radio correspondent since we discovered he knew more about it than we did uh, from his calling. And I've made a lot of radio friends like that, uh, Woody, and I'm going to be, be talking about a few of them on our Remember When program tomorrow night. But well, I, think events, our, and, I think our listeners can figure out that Tom knows a lot about radio, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I enjoyed... Uh, in fact, I have a friend in Raleigh, a guy named Dave Schiller, who probably is listening to the program tonight. We went to high school together, and we both kept logs, and we'd go to school in the morning, and we would ride down the station until we picked up the night before. Well, most of our DXing or looking for stations was, was on the AM band, but there was some shortwave listening going on, too. And, and I, I enjoyed listening regularly to, uh, to the BBC and to Deutsche Welle, which is the German radio service. And uh, to the Spanish radio service, most 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 large countries countries and some smaller ones had an international service, and they would aim a program at, at North America to uh, well, it's propaganda. It was kind of like an advertisement. But something that you remarked one time, Woody, recently when we were talking was about missing HCJB. So let's talk about South American radio stations and. And, radio, and Christian radio stations for just well, a few well, moments. South America had a lot of, there's a lot of stations. Uh, shortwave is good for places that uh, 
uh, have a lot of remote areas where they can't really afford to put uh, big transmitters in when it's sparsely populated in places in Africa and uh, South America. And, and, and there's a lot of uh, Christian programming in, from Central and South America, and, and one of the ones in English was called HCJB in Quito, Ecuador, one of the first stations I heard. It's just a good program. They had a lot of uh, uh, cultural program about Ecuador, a lot of music, but they also had uh, had some American-type syndicated radio programs, and uh, there were other, like uh, Argentina had a good English service that was really interesting to listen to, Radio Nacional de Brasilia, and they actually have a, a still have a shortwave operation uh, in the Amazon region, and they broadcast, you know, of course, talk, it's like a, it's like a local radio station broadcasting to people that live out in the the wilds of the Amazon basin. And those types of programs are, are fascinating. And, and I, like I say, I still like listening to Brasilia. Um, they're, they're generally on 11, 780 kilohertz. And we always, we do this, we have to explain what it is, but it's like WPTF is 680 and uh, you go up on the shortwave band to 11.780, and that's where where uh, Brasilia is. So, I mean, that's one thing you can listen to. And you can just, not as many stations, but there are some things to listen to. And I think uh, Romania has still has a pretty interesting service. Uh, Spain is on occasionally. Uh, and it's just, uh, you just, you have to look further, but uh, you can also go on online and Google something like, uh, you know, particular radio station, and, and you can listen to it online. Um, what's always been good about shortwave is is that uh, shortwave is, is a, a, a country can't really keep its citizens from listening to something they can't control the uh, the doorway, so to speak, of the programming coming in if it's on shortwave. If it's coming in on satellite or something like that, they can control it. And that's that's the good of it today. That's always been the good of it. It goes long distances, and people are able to hear kind of unfiltered news from another country. And that's what I've always thought when you and I were kids, we used to watch TV, and uh, one of the things that would show up as a public service announcement occasionally was was uh, uh, something that, that talked about Radio Liberty, and I can't remember the other one, but Radio the, Free Europe. Radio Free Europe, and these were uh, they were broadcasting to the internal parts of the, the what was behind the Iron Curtain, and uh, it was it was just like Radio Moscow was the reverse. It was it was propaganda. It was what it was. It was building up America. Who Radio was the, Liberty was the jazz guy media. that used to do the jazz program on radio on uh, the Voice of America? Yes, and, and they had a guy named Willis Conover that had a very deep voice, and uh, he was the most recognizable American figure uh, in the Soviet Union because everybody loved the VOA Jazz Hour. Right, exactly. It was one of the most popular radio programs in the world, and uh, 
And uh, I once uh, interviewed a guy at the radio station who had come to Raleigh to promote something, but in any event, he told me that he learned how to speak English by listening to uh, Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty and, uh, and a, a little bit of AFRS, which was the the shortwave service that was aimed at American servicemen all around the world so they could listen to American news and sports and things. So. I, had, I had the real thrill uh, back around 1980. of uh, I went to Washington and I actually visited the VOA studios in Washington, right near the Air and Space Museum. And I was interviewed on the program by one of the VOA announcers, and my interview appeared on the VOA breakfast show uh, one morning. And uh, that was a real thrill to be on The Voice of America, too. Not, and, not, as, not as thrilling as being on WPTF, but you know, it's kind of <laughs> you, you say all the right things, but no, indeed, but the... the the United States was as involved in international broadcasting as primarily to promote the interest of the United States, uh, to, to show what a wonderful country we have, but also there was a lot of propaganda involved in it. And it was to combat the propaganda efforts of people like the, the Soviet Union and uh, one that we always loved to, to hear was North Korea because it was the most rabid anti-American uh, uh, propaganda broadcast that you would hear. But it was it was good to know that you were listening to these uh, broadcasts unfiltered, and that is nobody was controlling them. As you were pointing out, things that come through the air, it's difficult to control them, and uh, people... Uh, uh, we could listen to what was going on in, in, in the Soviet Union or somewhere there. Uh, and going back to, 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 to religious broadcasting for a moment, a lot of the radio stations in South America and in Africa are missionary radio stations. Mm -hmm. It's a part of some, some religion's missionary efforts. And I remember picking up one time a station, you know this one, Woody, ELWA, which is in, I think, Liberia, and then I got a QSL card from them. Yeah, they had one in Ethiopia that was interesting, and uh, they had uh, several in Central America. They had one called uh, in Guatemala. They had one in Honduras. I mean, it was really, it was really interesting. And they had one in Costa Rica called Radio for Peace International. And that was actually a, a little bit different kind. That was not so much a religious station as it was a people from uh, Oregon, I think, were broadcasting kind of a message of peace from the jungles of uh, Costa Rica. And that was an interesting station that was on the air. Um, they had a, a one morning, the guy stopped his newscast and said, excuse me, I'm going to have to pause for a minute. A, a snake has crawled into our studio, and he's, he's uh, deadly poisonous, so I'm going to have to get off the air for just a minute. So, I mean, you know, you hear all kinds of unusual things on shortwave. It really, and, and with more modern equipment, it doesn't take much to set up a radio station. You know, that's one of the things that... The, the, the rebels always want to do is to capture the radio station. We needed to stop and take a break now. And and uh, Woody, my my interview manual says now, when you've come this far and talking to someone on a program, it, you take your last break and you say to the your interviewer, 
interviewee, is there anything we've not covered that you would like to talk about? And so that's what's going to happen to you when we come back right after this on WPTF. international broadcasting into shortwave listening, uh, something that has been a hobby to myself and uh, as well as a source of, of vicarious travel, learning about places around the world, and my colleague in, in Radio Dumb, Mr. Woody Seymour. Mr. Seymour, are you there? Here, Tom, and uh, we're about to run out of time, aren't we? Well, I wanted to tell you something I talked to John, our producer, about uh, while we were away. Uh, you, I think one night when you were there, but one of my our colleagues there, who uh, Mike Davis, who is uh, does traffic in the morning and a lot of other things for WPTF. He used to work for an international religious station. I think I'm not sure who it was. It may have been TWR, but some something like that. And, and yeah, their international headquarters is in Cary. Yeah, we talked to him, and he was had been on Guam, I think, or somewhere like yeah. that. But he's he's done a lot of interesting things in radio. Well, I know Guam's. They have uh, have these. I know I've got snakes on the mind tonight, but they have uh, these brown tree snakes that uh, that get in the transmitters in Guam. I mean, it's 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 uh, a challenge to work for uh, international broadcasters sometimes. Well, it's a, it's something that's all too familiar to some people in Raleigh as of late. If, if you've been right. listening to the radio, or reading the paper, uh, but uh, in any event, this, there are snakes out there. But uh, is there any part of of listening to uh, uh, shortwave radio, and and I think it's contributed a lot to uh, to my knowledge of things that were going on in the world. I particularly like to listen to the voice of Spain when when it was on. They, yep. they had, of course, yep. the newscast in English, but then they had a lot of cultural programs about Spain and Spanish music, and and uh, anyway, I always felt like I knew more about Spain than I would have known any any other way. Well, it, it, it's just a, a, a good station to listen to. And they only had an hour in English uh, uh, Monday through Friday. But, uh, you know, it, I, I, I think it's still on. But uh, one thing I was thinking about during the break was I talked about, you know, that I'd heard the most powerful radio station in the world was in Greenville. Well, I hadn't really talked about that so much. But the Voice of America actually had three facilities in Greenville, and they – the three formed a triangle with the town of Greenville in the middle. Two of them were transmitting uh, facilities, and the other was receiving facilities where they could receive signals from other places. But the, it's just amazing to drive in the outskirts of Greenville or out in the country outside of Greenville and see these big, lots of towers. And if you've ever looked at the WPTF uh, Tower in Cary on uh, Chatham Street. Uh, I mean, that's like three or four towers. These, this is like you know, uh, two or three dozen towers, and they call them curtain arrays, and it's like a curtain of wires. And very amazing. I was uh, back in nineteen, back in nineteen, uh, I think it was uh, the late sixties. I got to see that I. My sister at the time was uh, living in Greenville, and I got to spend a, a weekend with her, and I actually got to see two of those fights in Greenville. So it, it was a big radio station. And well, I went down there one time, and the, the basic transmitters they had, which had been 
actually built during the early 50s, and they, they just kept updating them rather than replacing them. Yeah. Uh, we usually ran 250,000 watts, but by putting them in tandem, you could get a half million watts or a million watts, as a matter of fact. And yeah. That's a whole lot more. You know, broadcasting, I think, from Greenville, broadcasting Spanish to Latin America, uh, broadcasting some to Africa. Uh, it's just uh, amazing to see a, a facility like that. And there's still some out there. There's there's one in uh, outside Miami now. There's a there's a big uh, shortwave facility that's still operating by a private commercial station. And, of course, you know, there was a big battle at one time over, uh, I can't think of the name, it was named for a Cuban uh, or an international Latin uh, Radio leader. Radio uh, Pardon me? Radio Marti. Radio Marti. Is about, it was, in fact, Senator Helms from North Carolina was a big advocate of that radio station because it, it broadcast straight into uh, to Cuba. It was a propaganda effort against Cuba. I think their transmitter was in Marathon or somewhere down in the Keys, something that's been on the, the weather picture. And I do want to mention before I forget it, excuse me, really, that people need to stay tuned to WPTF uh, so they'll be up on the weather because we're going to have a, have a tropical storm move through with a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, rain and possible tornadoes. And that's the thing you'll you'll want to uh, to know about. So just keep your radio on 680 or 98.5. Forgive me, Woody. I forgot my my message that I wanted to, and I wanted to get it in before I lost it again. Well, I know. that. I mean, we all need to keep that in mind. Uh, I'd like to, you know, remind people about the, the glory days of shortwave radios on, on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, if you, you know, I, I think it will give you a taste of what it was like in the glory days of shortwave radio. And another uh, site is called short-wave.com. Info, and that's where you can locate any type of time and frequency for any shortwave station. It's very easy to use, and uh, it's called short-wave.info, and that's something we didn't have back when we were listening a lot. We had to just do it through magazines and things like that. Um, and buy one copy, and it, it's about time for us to wrap up, Woody, but buy, each of us had to have a copy of the World Radio Handbook. I don't know if you remember that or not. But I, I remember that. Then. Yeah. Woody Seymour has been our guest tonight. Tim is future, Woody. The time has gone by now. But I want to thank you for coming because you've been a radio friend of ours for 30-plus years now, and we've had a lot of fun, particularly in the early days, talking about it. But it's still a a service that's out there somewhere more easily tapped now on, on the computer than otherwise. But thank you for being with us tonight. Well, as uh, always, it's a pleasure. Okay, I'll talk to you off the air in a few minutes. Thank okay. you.